Welcome to the Presentation Boss Podcast. I'm Kate Norris. I'm Thomas Craft. And we're here to help you plan, design, and deliver your best presentation. G'day, bosses. Welcome to episode 99 of the show, the last of the double-digit episodes. And it's a conversation with an expert. Today's guest reached out to us. He'd been listening to the show and thought, yeah, I've got something to offer. And oh boy, did he have something to offer. So normally when we have people on the show, we talk to them before and we and we work out what direction we're going to take with the episode. And oftentimes we have people who give us an extension. Everyone brings something new and it's usually an extension of a topic, which is great. We love going in depth with things. But Johnny today took us into completely new territory, which was really exciting, really fun to do something a bit different. And honestly, I think this conversation today is going to change how I present. We touched on a fair few topics. There was like PowerPoint design, data visualization, audience interaction and engagement, and online presenting. But in all new ways. Yeah, and quite nice on our end. He's in New Zealand, the time difference. So the time difference wasn't as big as some of those we've had to battle with. Yeah. No 1am recording for us. <laughs> All right, Kate, why don't we get into it right after you tell us a little bit more about Johnny. Alrighty. Raised and educated in Ireland, Johnny Quinn arrived in Dubai in 1996, determined to make the difference between presentations that fell flat and those that sealed the deal. After several years with Philips Middle East, he started Audience Alive Dubai and then in 2015 expanded the operation to beautiful Queenstown, New Zealand. In 2015, Johnny added AudienceAlive.com to his worldwide portfolio and expanded his business to cover Australia and New Zealand. He understands that you don't get a second chance to make a first impression, so wants your presentation to realise its full potential. Since 2001, Johnny has provided custom presentation services for over 500 local and international clients, resulting in over 25,000 slides and too many bullet points to count. Johnny's creativity and professional design experience will result in an effective presentation with impact. Well, welcome, Johnny Quinn, to the Presentation Boss Podcast. Hey, guys. It's awesome to be here. How are you doing today? Excellent. Yeah, excellent. we're doing good, good. Good. So, Johnny, we've just heard the official bio, and we'd love to know from your, in your own words, who is Johnny Quinn when he's not the presentologist? Yeah, well, father of two, um, boy and a girl, uh, she's crazy about ponies and uh, trying to convince me every day about how to spend another 40 grand on a pony. She does a lot of PowerPoint presentations with a presentologist as a dad. So I've, <laughs> I've, already, I've already given in to the iPhone XR, um, which was a, you know, a 20 slide uh, presentation to, to us done on a TV one evening uh, from Cara and uh, yeah, very impressive and good, good animations and good transitions and uh, storytelling. <laughs> so the benefits. She watched a video about how, how how to sell to your parents, you know, so she's now I can see it already. She's already working on her Excel, you know, uh, <laughs> spreadsheet around ponies and she sold this one and she's going to buy that one. So, yeah, and that's going to result in another PowerPoint presentation. So, yes, um, yeah, Cara dragging me around the country um, in a truck at weekends doing show jumping and Aaron, my son, he's 10 and he's just he's up uh, Skyline, uh, which is our local mountain here in Queenstown, New Zealand, and he's mountain biking 
skiing in the in the summers and uh, skiing in the in the in the winters. And look, I mean, like, yeah, married to my wife's Jackie, and she helps me out with traveling around. But I um, do quite a bit of uh, sort of volunteer work. So I volunteer through Toastmasters, and uh, believe that Toastmasters is like the uh, gym for public speakers, if you'd like to say that. But also just signed up for the Coast Guard, so I'm uh, Coast Guard New Zealand, and uh, signing up for that and uh, love boating and being out in our lake here and um, we've got a huge lake here and it's kind of safe because there's no sharks not like <laughs> you guys in Australia so uh, nothing deadly in the water um, just cold really so I'm really looking forward to doing that yeah I'm, I'm, I'm into biking myself and I bike on the trails quite a lot uh, motorbiking jet skiing on the rivers uh, anything outdoor but not the typical sort of football or rugby I'm, I'm less that and more um, outdoor sports but yeah that, that's me that's really what I enjoy doing that sounds like the quintessential New Zealand life. <laughs> well, awesome. after after 20 years in the desert of the Middle East, um, I decided to, you know, really, we, we came here in uh, 96 and really fell in love with the place and decided we'd love to come back one day and made it back here in 2015 um, and sort of settled here in 2015 after 20 years in Dubai. So I am defined quite a bit, although I'm Irish, but, you know, born in Belfast in Northern Ireland, as you can hear from the Northern Irish accent, kind of worked a lot in the Middle East, so had to learn how to kind of pronounce my uh, less of the hard, hard Northern Irish accent because people couldn't understand me. So some people get confused and think I'm Canadian or something, but no, I'm pure, <laughs> pure Belfast originally. That's where I come from. There you go. Yeah. The accent's definitely there, but it's it's definitely not as strong as as some that we hear. Yeah. 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 Cool. I think yeah. we also haven't fully appreciated, Kate, that one day your daughter and son will use PowerPoint skills and presentation skills against us. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Can I happen? Yeah. The next generation. And I noticed you did a, a session on that around. And I'm, that's another thing I'm quite passionate about is getting the next generation of presenters and solving the problem early on. Um, you know, when I talk with CEOs, I see these little 10 year old kids inside them who are petrified. And a lot of the glossophobia that I see is based around poor public speaking uh, skills when they're young. So I went into my kid's school and said to the headmaster, let's teach them presentology. And he was like, awesome. So teach all us at first. So we taught all the teachers at first. And then uh, if you go to that school now, you will see on a on an assembly approximately a thousand people there's a it's a big school and at the front of the room for an hour will be an MC who is could be six years old and he or she is being um sort of mentored by a 10 year old that, that I kind of helped you know kind of get the concept of presenting and imagine the impact that we have if we teach kids to present better so it's one of the things I'm really passionate about um, I love teaching them and kids kids at that age at that really young age they see it as a being brave you know they'll come up to me afterwards and say thank you for teaching me to be brave you know and they they, they cool. instinctively have that monotone voice and then once they learn that they can kind of roll their voices and have a bit of fun we generally get them going with a sentence and you know being in New Zealand our favorite sentence to express vocal range is you shall not pass <laughs> that's our, that's our yes favorite. that's our favorite sentence of course, of course. And, uh, it's a great thing and it's worthy of, of more talk definitely uh, public speaking for kids um, what parent doesn't want the kid to present better unfortunately I have one that presents too well and wins me over every time <laughs> mm, I'm gonna have one of them yep <laughs> so let's jump into that let's jump into this presentologist 
Uh, how did you get into this career? Like what led to being the presentologist? Well, first and foremost, the word presentologist, just to explain, is a portmanteau, it's called. Uh, we join two words together, like smoke. I am, and I'm also a presentainer. So, and I do like my portmanteau. So, oh, I um, love I, that word. Yeah, and I think part of the challenge with what we do is that it's hard to define for people. So, you know, what does a presentation designer do? And yeah, okay, maybe they make slides for people. But then if we take it on, the slides are only one aspect of it, aren't they really? I mean, if the slides are one aspect, then there's a person who's delivering it. And then the crowd that everybody forgets about are the audience, yeah, which is why we call our company Audience Alive, because I stood at so many conferences over my life, uh, certainly since... Since 2001 watching people doing other things and I've got a whole resume of different images that I've collected I've got a picture of a lady knitting in the back row came all the way from Texas to a conference in Saudi Arabia and sat there knitting the whole way through and I, I talked to her and I said you know why are you knitting in a conference she said these things are so boring man you know we get here and we gotta listen to all this stuff and data and you know I'm doing something else and you know she explained to me that she can concentrate and knit but we see a lot of slide grabbers um, out there are people just snapping slides at medical conferences. We see um, hostage takers, um, which is a dodgy statement for a Northern Irish man, but hostage takers are, are, are presenters who are going to read their slides verbatim and take, take the whole audience hostage. So I wanted to champion the audience. I wanted to come on board and say, look, you know, audiences are tuned out. They're had enough. They're on strike. Yeah, they're voting with their feet. Yeah, and certainly that's become really true in Zoom and online. You know, if people's cameras turned off, they could be sick on a ride on or digging the garden or doing so you don't know know what they're doing so you know what how are you going to get people more engaged so the whole concept of presentology was born out of the fact that I was talking to a CEO one day on top of a top of a very tall building in Dubai and he was you know he, he needed help from us and I was like why do you need my help you've got a marketing department of 25 people you know and he said yeah but they don't know how to really help me tell stories and really put the messages together and so in that case we went from kind of a, a graph and ended up telling a story with icons and you know it he said you guys are presentologists and that's what I'm going to call you so it was actually him who who said who called us and yeah, used right. to call up and say bring me a presentologist I need help you know <laughs> so so that's where the the name came from but my background is audiovisual um you know projection systems sound lighting and um, working my way through all of those those areas and I like to also say that it's completely born out of laziness because if you watch a time lapse of a conference being set up you know the lighting tower comes in you know there's somebody hoovering the floor they fly the lighting tower they bring in the stage they bring in the sound they hang the big led screen and then the last person to arrive is the graphics designer guy because he's the one who's going to plug in his laptop and make all the whiz bang stuff on on screen right next to the presenter and that is a subtle point you know i was never really comfortable being pushed out on stage yeah i i actually you know i'm happiest when i'm at the back end helping somebody really look good so our mantra is that our success is built around if the audience are engaged and the presenters having a great time then we've done our job and that's what audience alive tries to do and that's what we've been doing since 2001 for about 600 clients really helping them kind of improve their their content and improve their message and and also their connection with the audience so we click quickly jumped into audience engagement technologies and i know we're going to touch on that as we go through yeah well let's do it i mean what does audience engagement mean to you well an engaged audience is we like to talk about it in from the point of view of people leaning forward rather than leaning backwards if you look at an audience i can i went to a conference last week in auckland and i was lucky enough to be speaking at it and as soon as i walk into the 
back of a room of a conference that's going on, I can instantly get, uh, after years of experience, I can instantly get a measure or it's almost like a, a sixth sense of, is this thing going well? Mm-hmm. Is it really you engaging? It, yeah. Are people leaning forward? Is everybody looking down at their phones mm-hmm. and listening? And in this particular case, I mean, when, when are presenters going to stop reading their slides? I mean, I, you know, the lady, a very intelligent lady on before me, you know, clearly at the top of her game, standing up there, and she practically read every single word on her PowerPoint slides. And I mean, read it verbatim. And what the audience were doing was looking at their phones. Why? Because people read faster than you can speak. So they're reading the slide and then switching off. So, you know, over the years, we've seen how do we kind of create more engagement at events? And that brings me back to uh, a concept of meeting architecture. And that, that is the concept of building a meeting or building a conference or an event or even a sales sales call that's going to do something different, that's going to break the norm. W- what is the norm in terms of PowerPoint and presentations? Well, it's four bullet points if you're lucky on the left-hand side, a square picture on a white background and a logo in the corner under the title. And <laughs> if you right. want to be the same as everyone else, then do that. But if you want to be different, you got to do something different. So so L'Oreal would come to us in Dubai and say, we've got a pitch um, to a client and we don't know how to do it. And I would say, well, let's have a quiz. Let's play a quiz. So we'd go into a sales call, a sales presentation, and we'd run a quiz with their client. And the client would just be blown away by it. I mean, like, you know, what smell of, you know, uh, you know, sandal man is this, you know, and that would be all part of their pitch. So helping people think completely outside the square or outside the box, wherever you're from, um, in terms of, you know, what, how you get your message across, doing something different. And we define 12 different types of meeting architecture and we're part of the sort of meeting architecture groups. And uh, I love the concept of changing the way we meet and doing something different. And that's really audience engagement. A lot of um, school teachers know about this right away. They've had to engage students. There's been a marked change from the sage on the stage, which is kind of old school. You remember at school and colleges, I was taught by Christian brothers and you were definitely afraid if you didn't, if you didn't pay attention. So the sage was up there on the stage and you had to listen. And presenters, some old school presenters, certainly uh, boomers will see them still focused on this concept of I am, I know everything. A book was written by James Sirawiki called The Wisdom of the Crowds. And essentially what it identified was the fact that, you know, a small, a group of people in the audience who know a small amount of information are more powerful than the expert. So how do we capture that? And I worked with some really, you know, kind of innovative people uh, over my years, a Kiwi guy who's back in Auckland, um, and he he totally got this. And he would go into big sales meetings with absolutely no preparation at all. He would freewheel the whole thing. All the presentations would be freewheeled. So it would all be done by audience-driven comments. So we would ask the audience a question. We would gather them up. They would appear on the screen. We would then turn that into a vote. So you didn't really know where things were going. And then he would turn the whole thing into a debate. Okay, we're going to have a debate. Okay, who's for and against okay you know everybody vote now are you for or against so these types of um meeting architecture is a way of kind of is engaging audiences and they the net effect is that they walk out of it going that was the best thing i've ever been to because i was i felt totally engaged now you can do that in a live environment but how do you do it on zoom or on Teams? Well, the answer is real simple there. It's called breakout rooms. And if you haven't used breakout rooms, you're not using Zoom because the whole concept of Zoom or Teams is engagement. And the best way you can get people engaged is to switch on a breakout room and watch what happens. Send people off in, five people off into a room, give them a 
concept of we want you to go on campfire. Here are the rules, you know, defer judgment. Um, let's have crazy ideas, you know, sit, come back and then each one of you present back to us. Um, if you've ever seen anybody run a session like that, people absolutely love it, you know, and, and that's, that's what audiences want and that's what audiences need. So I've touched on a lot of things there, Thomas. I hope yeah. I haven't. Uh, it's, but, but, you know, there, there's a lot to know and there's a lot to try. And, you know, presenters have to be brave. They have to be braver, yeah, to try something different because what we're seeing is, oh, stick to the status quo, just do that. That's the way we do it. We have to do it that way. Marketing tell us we have to do it like that. It's all sorts of scapegoats. And procrastination can kills a huge amount of pre good presentations. You know? Yeah, we hear that all the time is, oh, we'd like to change the slides, but um, <laughs> marketing tells us we have to use this template. So we have to, we just have to. Yeah, but then, yeah. you know, my, my answer to that is that you've got the window in the middle, you know, so you've got a, you've got a top and bottom banner with your bottom banner with yeah, your, yeah. with your logos yeah, on it, but you've got this space in the middle, you know, so you know, what are you doing on that space, mm. you know, so do, do something do something mm. different, you know, try something. Um, but, uh, you know, salespeople and, and presenters have the opportunity to, to, to change the architecture of how they meet to say, okay, we're not going to follow this. We're going to, we're going to try something completely different. And I have seen that done over the years um, to great effect, you know? Yeah. Um, I also want to touch on when you're talking about the breakout rooms make such a massive difference because when you're in a room of even, even 20, you can hide so easily on Zoom. Whereas, yeah, when you've got three of you in a breakout room, you can't, like, you can't get away with not doing something and not participating. Yeah, exactly. It yeah, really I'm forces the engagement, hey? Yeah, and the number, I mean, um, you guys... Um have a great statistician in uh, in Australia called Mark McCrindle and uh, he he runs stats every year and he did a 2017 stats on um, the business meetings and how it was changing and one of the stats that really leapt out at me was that 80% um, of audiences want a presenter to change how they're presenting depending on how they vote and that, that that just that was just like manna from heaven for me I was like wow that's amazing so what that means is we don't want a linear presentation why do presenters present linearly and where does it come from why are they called slides because of a slide carousel yeah and you couldn't jump from one to 27 easily but can you do that in powerpoint yes yes you can you just use a keyboard don't you you just type yeah, in yeah. slide 127 and it'll jump to 127 or 24 it'll jump back but nobody ever presents that way so all of the presentations i create are interactive there's no longer time for people to linearly go through 60 slides so every presentation should be non-linear should be completely dynamic and people should be able to move around to any area that's needed if you say to me tell me about this and it can immediately i can immediately jump over to it so what one of the key tools that we're using there is zoom not zoom meeting but powerpoint zoom so yes. summary zoom so we put the summary zoom slide in and we've got all our sections broken up and it allows us to interactively move around in the presentation now when you tie that together with logitech spotlight you have a completely interactive presentation that you can control and you can move around walk around the room you don't need to be at your laptop and as, as a single presenter you can control the entire presentation and move dynamically through it and ask the audience what do you want to talk about so that's and, I, and one 
one of my favorite slides is what do you want to and everybody chooses this is we want to play a game and uh, the, I've got five games so I, I love playing games like you know uh, we'll we'll do rock paper scissors with the whole audience you know 400 people playing rock paper scissors and then it ends up being you know two people and they're the one champion and uh, just great ideas that I've picked up over the years so the whole idea is to create that um, I mean if you think about a lot of presentations on monologues and I'm trying not to do that right now so I'm going to shut up in a minute but the 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 main thing is to uh you know create a dialogue so interaction if you think about it is the difference between monologuing and dialoguing so what audiences want is dialogue they want to get engaged and how do you do that you can use clicker voting systems but you can also use online you can use polling feature that's right there in zoom or in teams and ask questions now why does nobody do it because it takes some effort and to write a good question is a real challenge to people and they think that they need to monologue but if you just stop for a second and were to start off and say what do you want to talk about here's the six things i could talk about then that immediately puts you as the expert and puts you in a position of power and the, and it immediately creates dialogue with the audience because they say oh we want to know about you know number three tell take us that way so that, that that's a kind of yeah non-linear presenting and contextual presenting is something that i'm really shouting about and i really you know clients my clients who are using it love it because it, it changes their whole meeting and structure completely I, I nearly jumped in before with the like pithy remark of because audiences are in they have such a hunger for uniqueness for something different other than that click and read and the taking them hostage but I've never heard that 80% want something never heard a number put to it before and that is just it's probably even higher than I would expect so I would imagine there's a lot of people out there don't know why presentations suck they just go to these conferences and you know like the woman who is knitting it's just information and data and it's just it just sucks and that's just the way it is but to 80% that realize and, and would like something a bit different. That's that's phenomenal to me. So my uh, my favorite story about this is at an Ericsson conference and I stood in the room and watched this and the, the CEO came up to us and said, that screen up there with all the audience comments, are they, uh, is somebody filtering that? And I said, yeah, yeah, you're a marketing person. I'm going to give, you know, if we take the filter off, then, you know, anybody can say anything and it'll appear on the main screen. And he said, oh, he said, this is an internal meeting. I want to turn it off, turn the filter off. So I went over to her and I said, you know, the moderation, just turn it off. So now, no matter what anyone types on their phone will appear on the screen. So nothing happened for about five minutes, right? Okay. And then the word break came up on the screen as one of the audience comments. And then break, break, break came up. And then break, 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 break came up. And then the MC had no choice. He had to say to the presenter, excuse me, second the audience all would like a break that was the first thing that happened but what happened even funnier later on was later on in the day each person was in a different chair and the chairs were numbered and the, the comment came up and these are all internal people in ericsson and they kind of didn't know each other well but one of the, the comment came up that said um, i'm in chair 42 does anyone else find the lady in 46 attractive right okay so they kind of started hitting on each other so this is like a completely separate channel and it turned into hilarity you know and of of course, presenters find that distracting. And I know that presenters aren't going to want that. But if you open that channel up and allow audiences to engage and allow people to get connected, that's why we why we go to meetings and conferences. It's not just to hear what the presenter has to say. As I said, 
It's moved from the sage on the stage to the guide on the side. And now we're moving towards the wisdom of the crowd. So we're trying to engage the crowd. At the end of the day, that's why we're having the event, the meeting, the presentation for the audience. So let's get them 100% engaged. So we care about the audience. That's where we're, and that's our championing. And, and everything we do is driven towards, let's, what's the audience? We can profile the audience. How are we going to champion? How are they going to come away going, this is the best thing we've ever done. We want to do it again next year. Oh, this is so cool. I'm just, I could sit here and just listen to this all day. This is new stuff. I love when we get new stuff on the podcast. It's really exciting. Let's just admire stage on the stage and guide from the side. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's just <laughs> good phrase. Well, sorry, those those are not my sayings. Those are, okay. those are pedagogy. Yeah, those are those are absolute pedagogy. So every high school mm-hmm. student, every high school teacher, if you go into my kids' class, 14-year-olds all sitting around, there's no sage on the stage. There's, it's only a guide on the side. She's working with them. My daughter is currently sitting doing, doing mathematics in a group of four people, and they're all sitting around, and they're all helping each other, mm-hmm. and they're looking at Google, and they're filtering information, and the teacher is only moving around. Yeah. So the wisdom of the crowd in the room, the Gen Zs are already doing this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And as they come through into being conference or audiences, they're going to expect it. So I'm I'm probably a whole generation ahead. And frankly, what I'm what I'm doing is I'm going to hopefully bring my son and daughter into this and uh, continue to do it and continue to to engage their own. The, the core thing is about being brave. Is about stopping and thinking. This is what we did last year. We all flew to the Goldie. You know, we all had a great time. Yeah, we watched ten terrible presentations and then we all went and had a beer. And it's like let's do something completely different. Let's have a walking meeting. Let's go out and, okay, you're in 10 groups. Let's go. And there are some great, really innovative companies here in New Zealand who do kind of, you know, alternative meetings, another way to meet. And, you know, one of the biggest events that happened here in, in Queenstown in New Zealand was uh, the Amway conference a couple of years ago. And it it literally only happened. Six and a half thousand people came through from Amway from China. And it only happened as a they were looking at three or four different cities. And on the last day, their flight was delayed in Queenstown. And as a sort of last minute decision... They set up some trestle tables in a field and fed them. And every one of those family trip people said, that is the reason why we chose Queenstown, the environment and sitting outside. So why would you then bring them in and put them in a in a conference, in a, in a, in a hotel room, you know, with closed walls? So we the whole event happened outside. With, with So it's all about trying to do something different. So can I kind of change paths just a little bit here? I want to look at data because that's kind of my love. And I want to ask if you've got an audience that doesn't want linear, they don't want, you know, you to predetermine the direction that the presentation is going to go. But when you're talking about data and your storytelling, you kind of need context before you give information, before you give um, recommendations. recommendations. Mm-hmm. So then how how do they sit together? If you've got something that kind of needs a bit of a logical flow, but then you've got an audience who doesn't necessarily want that linear, how does that sit together? Good, great question. Um, my brain's worrying away. And I, get, I go back to my kind of experiences over the years. W- one of the most fun things that we would do with a polling system, for example, is we would know that the data was X, yeah? And we would say that the answer is X, right? Okay, but we actually want to, we know that they consider it to be Y, right? Okay, so we would ask them a question and say, you know, what what is the answer to this? What is the data answer to this? 
what's what's and they would say it's all it's why and we would say okay thank you very much now listen to what we're going to say and we would present linearly for maybe three slides and then we'd say now what do you think is the answer and they would possibly come back to y again but some of them would go x but that wasn't the really important bit what the really important bit was the comparison between the first question and the second question that's called comparative analysis and when you show people that there's a shift in the in the room from the data from the concept this answer is now changed from x to y that is a learning experience for the whole audience in one go and that is where we then start to move towards the wisdom of the crowds so i hope i'm kind of answering your question some things do still have to be linear of course there has to be a storytelling and you know as 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 we move on to some of the other questions around how do we make data more interesting you know it's again about bravery it's about you know the bottom line figures only it's all about not loading data onto the slide and that takes real courage you know it, it really takes courage because we see people that the instinct in people is to let's throw as much data at it as possible and hopefully some of it will stick now here i talk to you about the difference between knowledge and wisdom so if knowledge is knowing that tomatoes are fruit did you know that the tomato is a fruit <laughs> then wisdom is knowing not to put it in the fruit salad you've heard this before i can yeah, see yeah. by your nodding so really when i sit there and look at audiences i see tons of knowledge coming at them but that's not what we're asked why they're going to the meeting they're coming there for the wisdom they want to find out you know what is the, what's your wisdom what's your experience and you know that's that's what people want essentially because i can get knowledge anywhere knowledge is everywhere but i need it to distill down into what are the core learnings that i'm going to take away what really matters and the best way to get that across is with a story of course so data story by nancy duarte is your is your go-to bible for learning you know how to do that yeah and it's not it's not something that's instinctive to everybody yeah i mean when i when i walk into a room full of you know financial analysts and they say we want you to teach us powerpoint and i go okay Okay, let's do some graphs. Okay, let's put a graph in it, a pie chart, and let's animate it. Let's break it up and let's let's show you that you can animate it in segments. Let's take get rid of you know chart junk. Let's get rid of all that stuff. Let's make it look really cool. And they all sit there and they go, "Oh, it's really very good, very good, very good." Yeah, yeah. Now, when are you going to start training us? And I'm like, "Well, that was training. We just did an hour of that." No, no, no. So we don't want to know about how to make charts and animate them. We want to know what chart we should use. How should we communicate the data? And, and that happened to me about. Maybe 12 years ago, that experience. And I realized that there was a whole other area of learning here, which is data visualization. And that is how we actually visualize the data to make sense to people. And that's, again, a whole skill in its own right. And essentially, people deliver it in PowerPoint. You know, one of my biggest problems with PowerPoint and the word PowerPoint, apart from the fact that it's synonymous with boredom to a lot of people, is that, you know, yeah, people... People tend to think of PowerPoint as in a two-dimensional fashion. You know, it's a it's a slide. I put two things on it. I put X and Y and I put it there. And, you know, it's static. Yeah. They never think about the Z, you know, in terms of layering things on top of one another. And then they never think about animating it over time. I won't put all the information in one go. So most people are creating two-dimensional presentations. And what the world wants is four-dimensional presentations. Yeah, we want stuff delivered to us, but over time. So Z is the depth where we layer things. And then over time is a fourth dimension. So let's not have everything happen at once. Yeah, let's 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 slowly animate it or, or build a story around it. And when you start switching on to this, you, you start seeing PowerPoint as a it's, not a, it's not a presentation tool. It's a media mixer that mixes stories, text, Text, images, videos, 
graphs. It's, so it's essentially an XML container that contains all the information that you would ever want. But we don't see people using it that way. They tend to go for the easy solution and they try to just, you know, let's just put static information and run linearly through it. When you start getting out of it and start trying different ways of using it and breaking it, because our mantra is that if it looks like PowerPoint, we'll fail. Yeah. So everything, although it's PowerPoint, it has to not look like PowerPoint. Yeah. When we actually deliver it. So the people are like, what, what is it? What am I looking at? What's happening? Is it a video? You know, they don't know what it is. So, and it's changeable right up to the last minute. So um, yeah, I think I answered your question, Kate. I'm not sure. Yeah, 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 you did. Do you reckon, Johnny, if everybody knew that, if everybody understood that PowerPoint could do something other than four dot point square image and a logo, would that do you out of a job? Um, it probably would. Yes. I mean, I would probably not have any, I would not have any requirement. I would probably be doing, I'd be doing something around meeting as meetings and events at that point. You know, I'd be, uh, if everybody knew how to do this, I would be the um, conductor of a very interesting multimedia orchestra. That's what I would want to be. Yeah. Because bringing all that together would be absolutely amazing. You know, so <laughs> when you layer on lighting and sound and image and you, t- you turn it into a show, that's, that's what I would want to be. That, that's where I'm most happy be conducting or producing a show that makes people go wow you know so in an online environment what I have found is that when you are in person you know how you said you've got that sixth sense like you can feel when people are engaged um but online I find that you know like when you're watching tv by yourself you don't actually laugh out loud you barely smile and I find that online as well people just stare yeah. And then you're like, oh, what, what's going wrong? And they're like, oh, no, no, I'm, I'm really into this. How can you tell if someone's engaged in an online environment? Well, I mean, presenters should be very, very afraid. Um, you know, the days of reckoning are coming. So it's uh, it's called PowerPoint Live. Have you heard about it? Have you read up about it? So PowerPoint Live allows live emoji. Yeah. So sleepy, tired, angry, disagree. Yeah. They're all going to yeah. be there. So how are we going to manage that channel? How are we going to manage people's, you know, people? Because I can be sitting here very rigid, kind of staring at you, but also hitting angry at the same time on my on my feedback device, you know? So we've got to open these channels to to, to allow people to, to get connected. I mean, visually, one of the main challenges I see with most meetings online is that they're not even live camera everybody's on their cameras are turned off so mm. you know the participants are told turn your camera off mute your microphone i mean you might as well not be here just watch a video later i mean what's the yeah. point you know what i mean so i i really don't like webinars i mean webinars uh, in fact i've attended a webinar recently that i thought was live and it was a recording and and that's the ultimate cheat so i i attend the webinar so and i was like oh how, how can i ask a question and i was like i couldn't ask a question because i was essentially watching a video but it was built as a live webinar and that's audiences are really angry about that i mean people are doing that yeah so the point is is that we've got to open up the cameras get people switched on you know get people engaged so you know together mode on teams is awesome you know it kind of creates an environment where everybody's sitting together and you know so so we've seen some of the technology providers starting to switch on to that but here we are 18 months into covid and we still don't have amazing you know facial recognition so we try face or face recognition yeah so we had a, an event where literally we had cameras pointing at the room and we could tell you know smile if you agree you know you know frown if you don't that sort of thing so face recognitions come on a huge amount now we had to have an exclusion area for people who did not want to be scanned but uh, it's absolutely brilliant face recognition i mean you can see whether people are engaged you can see the demographic you can get a whole set of metrics
metrics from it. And this is happening already in retail. I mean, people get up in arms about this stuff. Nobody's capturing your data. We're not, this is not your biometrics we're after. We're simply after your engagement levels. Yeah, bringing that into <laughs> Zoom and live events is absolutely going to change the way things are. So if every face is being sort of scanned for demographics and for their engagement level, what I ultimately want as a presenter is a little icon in the corner that's either going wide-eyed, super excited through to sleepy, bored out of bored out of hell. And, and that's what I want. I want a channel to know how much engagement I have. And I have my own methods of doing that before and after training. If I'm training people, I'll ask them, what do you want to get out of it? And then we'll do the post survey. But there's ways to do it to really get real honest feedback from people. And one of the things that we find is by using live voting, it changes dramatically to the sycophantic. You won't get, people will really give you real honest feedback. And um, so the, the more you can do that, the better. So using the polling feature, people know in Zoom, audiences are very clever. You know, they know that you're going to attract them. If you've sent them an email and they've clicked the link, they don't want to say anything too negative. But if you do completely anonymous polling in Zoom, you'll get a really honest answer from people. Yeah, that's cool. And there's a whole load of study coming out about the, the effect of online with people. People are exhausted doing Zoom because my whole visual area is much smaller. So, you know, if I was presenting to you today, I wouldn't be sitting down. I'd be standing up. Mm. I've got green screen. I'd be moving around. I'd be doing stagecraft. But as you say, if, if, if you've got no feedback, I mean, you know, it's, if, there's, if there's no feedback loop, we're in real trouble. And we do need that as we move forward. Mm. Yeah. Um, all right. So we've talked a bit about, um, you've mentioned a lot of software things. And I would like to know for, let's say, the average person, not necessarily a main stage, but what are some software tools that you would recommend for people to increase audience engagement? Okay, in terms of audience engagement, well, I have a whole range and a whole list of them. What we really need is a sliding scale of, you know, what's free and what, <laughs> what costs a fortune because, you know, more, more and more features get added as we go through. Yeah, but yeah, down yeah. at free, it's things like Kahoot, yeah? Kahoot. Have you tried K-A-H-O-O-T? So Kahoot is, all kids are using it, you know, it's a, and it's a free way to make a quiz on, on engagement level. So, you know, school friends are making Kahoots with each other and they're having a a little quiz so that's completely free and good good on those guys for offering that and there are other free tools out there as well then we layer on things like slido which has got a cost associated associated with it there's one company called Kramer who create a logo page of all of the players in this industry and there's over 3000 so so please don't think that there's an easy way to sum this up you can only really pick out you know mentimeter kahoot you know slido um and and some of some of the others you know and, and then there are some integrated PowerPoint solutions as well that actually really poll everywhere, for example, is awesome way to integrate polling into your PowerPoint slides. Mm -hmm. But then Zoom offers polling completely free and I see no one using it. And mm -hmm. I'm sure the usage is way down. You know, really, you can run a full AGM using the, the polling feature in Zoom and people won't use it. But why? Because they feel the need to monologue. The first problem is, well, what question am I going to ask? You know, and we have a full A4 sheet of paper, which which is the anatomy of the perfect question. And, you know, you oh. have a stem, you have distractors. So, you know, you have to think about this. You have to put some extra effort into this. And people are like, well, hang on a minute. I've just spent ages making my PowerPoint slide. I'm working now on my body language and voice and all that element. You now want me to start making questions for the audience. It just becomes, it fits in the too hard jar for a lot of people. So that's where we would get brought in to create the actual questions. And we would look at the content and say, you need a question here between these two slides. It's going 
and engage people. Every 20 minutes, if you go back to Guy Kawasaki in the 10, 20, 30 rule, every 20 minutes, you should be engaging people with either media, yeah, some form of media, some sort of uh, rhetorical and non-rhetorical question, and or some sort of audience engagement. And those are your tools as a presenter to be able to pluck every 20 minutes. And certainly for me as a trainer, standing up in front of people for eight hours in a day, sometimes three days in a row, I absolutely have to do this because if I don't, uh, people will leave. I mean, people will will switch off mentally, mm. if not leave the room. So um, we, we have to get people more engaged. And I've been at the sort of at the pointy end of that for years and trying to do something different all the time. Um, so, you know, in terms of the software tools that are out there, you know, PowerPoint has got some awesome new features coming along um, that really engage people. So, for example, the um, live subtitling. You've got a lot of people out there who don't speak native language. Now, the main challenge there is that one person is talking and you've got one set of subtitles. But with PowerPoint Live, you can now have everybody can choose their own language. So now you've got much more engagement. Now, I tested this out um, when a group of uh, Japanese people arrived, 20 Japanese people arrived into my presentation once and they were all didn't speak any English and they were just going to sit there quietly because one of them spoke, spoke English. And I said, let me switch this on. And I was asking them in English, how much of what I'm saying are you understanding? And they were all shouting back, 80%, 80%, we get it. So don't expect it to be perfect. It is sort of using Google Translate type algorithm. So it will get syntax in, but the communication is much, much better. So, so you know, what's the best way to engage people? So we do have audience engagement training, a course we offer, which takes people through how to actually engage and make things more engaging. It could be as simple as just asking a question. Yeah, some one of the main glosses phobic issues we see is people you know starting and creating a need at the start and creating impact we'll start with a question i mean when you start with a question it forces engagement with the audience you don't necessarily have to employ a, a an audiovisual system or a, a voting system to make that happen you can do it with the simplest ways but you can also then layer on other other elements to it as well but um, i'm very happy to give you some show notes for people that uh, people can take away with a list of here's some cool tools that you can use yeah yeah, that would be great to have little downloads, yeah. Which is going to lead me into the question we always ask, which is uh, what's, a, what's a book or resource that's influenced the way that you present, Johnny? Well, I mean, books for me are digital PDF files that I move through online. So I'd say The Wisdom of Crowds by Jim Sorowicki, which is a tough read. It starts off with like a bull being kind of measured in a, the weight of a bull being measured in a fair day, you know, and the fact that this guy realized that actually the group of people that had chose the, that chose the weight got it absolutely pre- precisely right. And that led him on into a whole sort of thought process of, you know, why are all these people getting it right whenever the expert didn't get it right? And, and that's that's the wisdom of crowds, which will, it will, it will leave you with more questions than answers. Let's say that. Okay. It's a great book and it's a way of kind of thinking, you know, well, how can we use this? What can we do with it? You know, how, where can we go with it? But obviously data story, Nancy's stuff, presentation Zen by um, Gar Reynolds, oh, you know, yeah. I mean, like that was, that was, and some of the same concepts, thank you, Gar, are still there. You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. like we, we still use them and, st- and still need them. But um, in terms of uh, interactions, obviously, Presentation sequ- 
Secrets of Steve Jobs, which is a book that I love giving out to people because, you know, chapter number 17 in the appendix is learning your script, but then throwing it away. And everybody wants to know about that. How do I, you know, get get into kind of really memorizing what you're going to say, but stuff like that. And obviously, you know, resources, presentation, blog, um, and, you know, th- those guys have done an amazing job. And, you know, th- that's helped us all bring us all together. And what you guys are doing, you've got a great blog going on there as well. And the resources that you've got. So I keep an eye on that. If I look through the history of this, the hundred episodes you've had, it's been absolutely brilliant stuff in there. And I can't end without saying TED. So TED has been my go-to place for inspiration. Whenever yeah. I'm, whenever I'm needing to see an amazing presenter um, or somebody doing an amazing job. And isn't it amazing on TED that sometimes the most amazing presentations are not the ones that have the highest viewership. You have to go searching, but um, it's one of my favorite resources to i'm a bit of a ted junkie so i enjoy <laughs> watch it awesome so then if people uh want to find you find out more get some of your resources where can they do that the simplest thing is to google <laughs> audience alive you know what i mean so at the end of the day we are we are audience alive we're in we're based in the middle east and based in in new zealand and queenstown and we um we love helping people uh, engage audiences and create more engagement as, as as audiences move forward but if that may be you know making better slides but it's also you know looking at the meeting architecture and seeing how you're how you're building your next meeting whatever it may be online offline in a field in a in a balloon whatever way you want to do it you know having having an experience rather than a than another conference you know so that that's really what we're what we're all about but if you google audience alive and um yeah i'm, I'm easy to get a hold of there i'm, I'm on every I'm, i'll pop up right away and i love chatting with people brilliant excellent thank you so much johnny quinn has been We've covered, I feel like we've covered a lot of territory, a lot of value. So thank you very much for your time and sharing value with the Presentation Boss podcast. It's been awesome. Thank you very much, Kate and Thomas. It's been a wonderful experience. Look forward to meeting you in person one day. <laughs> for sure. I will thank get you. back to Queenstown. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to today's show. Head to presentationboss.com.au slash podcast where you'll find the show notes for this episode, all other episodes and other free resources. If you know someone that you'd like to hear from on this show or think that you have something of value to share, email us at podcast at presentationboss.com.au. Most importantly, we rely on you to share the information in this podcast. If you found value in today's episode, please recommend us to a friend or we'd love for you to give us a review on iTunes. It helps more people find us. Have a great week.